Hey, good morning, everyone. More welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. Glad to have you with us this morning. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us. Uh, just a few announcements to get us started. Um, we have um, next Sunday, we have our Easter services. All the times are in there. But we have our sunrise service, and then we're going to do inside because the weather is so unpredictable at 730 and then we have a potluck breakfast at 8.30, so whatever you can make and bring. And then Sunday school at 9.30. Um, we will not have um, Wednesday night services here this week. Instead, we will meet at Popular Springs at 6.30 for a Holy Week service. Um, the week after Easter, the week of spring break, our church offices will be closed uh, the 10th to the 14th, and we will not have services that Wednesday night as well. Uh, spend some time with your families. Um, Thursday night, it's not in the bulletin, something that's a last minute thing that I decided to do. Thursday night at 6.30 in the youth building. Uh, youth, but I, I'm, I say it's a youth event, but I want, if anybody feels like they want to come, just kind of send me a text, let me know. We're going to have, I want to have a, um, we're going to have, the youth are going to have a, uh, a uh, Passover meal, a traditional Passover meal uh, to celebrate uh, Maudie Thursday, uh, the full, the full thing. I'm going to start by washing feet, and, you know, I want it to be a real serious uh, thing for them. So if, if you have youth or kids, I mean, youth, and they're interested in coming, or if you're an adult and you thought, well, hey, well, hey I like that, uh, come on out. Uh, just kind of give me a text, let me know. I don't think I have any more announcements. I think Joy does. She's always got something to say, don't she? <laughs> but after Joy gets done, are we having a video today? No? Okay. What were you pointing at? This thing? <laughs> I was hoping nobody could see me. I asked Chad um, if I could make an announcement this morning. And while I was getting ready for church, usually I just get up here and say, it's Annie Armstrong offering time. We'd like for you to give. But this week and the past few weeks, we've talked about taking up your cross. And part of taking up our cross is doing things outside this congregation. And one of those things that we can do is give to Annie Armstrong. Uh, we can support missions no matter where it's at, whether it's locally, globally, whatever, that we're called to do that. And uh, right now we're at about halfway, I think, of our Annie Armstrong goal. We've got 915, so our goal is 2000. So I ask that you carefully consider that, but uh, support missions, take up your cross, let's do things in our community and for our world. And I, the thought came to me this morning, which I don't usually say anything about my thoughts because they're crazy, was that we're called to take up our cross, and this is our cross, is to support missions. If we can't go, then we should be praying and supporting them. Thank you. Oh, one more thing. Uh, I sent out a notice to the women that we had planned our tea, our annual tea. This will be the third year we've had it. And it's on April the, uh, where's Sandy? 29th. 
29th from 11 to 1. And uh, we've got a speaker coming that's going to talk about the heart of a woman. And we'll have uh, a light brunch. So we ask y'all to also support us by helping or coming, whatever you can do. Thank you. Good morning. Maria, I'm not going to upset you if I move this thing, am I? Okay, this has got to come down here. Because I can't, I can't see. There. I know you, you were trying you were trying to cover my face. I know that and I, and I don't blame you. I do I I Hey, I know. And and You guys think that I'm just growing the beard cuz I want to look like Santa it's because I'm too ugly to keep my face out in the open all the time. But I have to I do have a confession to you. I forgot to do something last week. You see, 13 years ago on March 22nd, the church made a very controversial decision. And that decision was to call Sandra Green as our music minister. So come here, Sandra. <laughs> you know, you guys know the story that the search committee had interviewed several people. They interviewed Sandra. It was unanimous. She was the one that we felt God wanted here. Um, talked to her. She said no. And we're like, well, why in the world did you interview if you didn't want to take the job? But we didn't say that to her, but that's what I was thinking. You know, but, you know, Sandra's a little bit stubborn, and we knew that what got here, yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> Uh, we knew that she was the one that God had for us, that God was saying she's the one. So we stopped interviewing and just waited. But as I said Thursday night, God had a plan. He was just waiting for Sandra to catch up to him. And then Sandra called, talked to uh, the chairman of the committee when she realized God was calling her here too and said, I know it may be too late, but is the physician still available? Are you still looking for someone, I think is what you said. And, and she said, no, we're not looking for anybody else. She goes, I knew I was too late. She goes, no, you don't understand. After we interviewed you, we stopped looking. So 13 years ago on the 22nd, Sandra became our music minister and has been through thick and thin. And I want to tell you how much I love this lady. She makes me mad, I make her mad, so we're even. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I could not have gone through some of the things that we've gone through without having her go through it with me. So I want to say thank you, and I have something for you just to show our appreciation. So <laughs> you don't get to say a speech, you got to sit down now. Thank you, and I do love you. <laughs> Uh, those of you that have missed or could not attend our revival services over this past week, you have missed something special. Literally six churches coming together as one body. And I'm going to tell you, every single night, including 
Friday night when there was a baseball game at Crest High School, and was it Friday the opening day for, M for Major League Baseball also? Thursday. Thursday. Well, even though all that was going on, it was still packed. Thursday night here in our church, the very first song, the choir could not hear the music because the congregation was singing so loud. It was incredible. So I encourage you, Wednesday night, 6.30 at Poplar Springs, please join us there. Um, we're going to have a celebration communion together as the body of Christ in preparation for uh, Easter. The, the rising of our Savior. So at this time, please join me in prayer as we begin our time together here on Palm Sunday. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Dear Lord, I thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for blessing us beyond measure. Dear Lord, thank you for Sandra and Whitey being here for 13 years and leading us to the throne in worship. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for that. I thank you for these people that are, are here in this congregation. I thank you for the ones that are here and present. I thank you for the ones that are watching online. Dear Lord, speak to us today just for this short hour as we put everything aside to fully worship you. Dear Lord, today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Dear Lord, help us to understand exactly what that means. Help us to understand what it is that you want us to glean from this. And above all, dear Lord, may the gospel be proclaimed today. May souls be saved and lives be changed because of Jesus Christ. And we pray all of this and give you all the honor and glory for it. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is what we know as Palm Sunday, the Sunday before his crucifixion. Jesus was there for the traditional Passover celebration. It was and still is a significant event to all Christians. On that day, Jesus borrowed a donkey's colt to ride. And anyone that knows horses knows that to ride a colt that no one had ever ridden would be impossible. But as we know, Jesus does the impossible. The crowds came out and formed lines on each side, just like a parade. <clears throat> they welcomed him and they praised him. They were waving palm branches and taking their cloaks off and then laying the palm branches before him to ride upon as a tradition to recognize royalty. <clears throat> they praised him and they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. But Jesus' purpose in deriding that day <clears throat> was to claim to be their Messiah, their king. And like a king, we know that Jesus did rise to his palace. So as we sing, may we continue 
to praise him and claim him as our Messiah. And as our children come in waving the palm branches, if you would like to join them, please do. But let us stand and sing. We will glorify, and then we will have our time of giving to God our tithes and our offerings. Would you stand, please? <laughs> and offerings. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings you have given to us. I ask now that you take the gifts, the offerings, and the tithes. Bless them. Bless the giver. For it is your holy name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, 161. Crown him with many crowns. <laughs> 
There's a pile of them. I like it. Thomas, you still got that dinosaur, I see. All right, guys. Who has ever met a famous person? Anybody here ever met a famous person? Who'd you meet? Me? I'm famous. All right. Have you guys... So, think about a TV show you like to watch. Or a number blocks. Or maybe a, something on YouTube you like to watch. A famous person is like somebody on TV. Um, think about that, and if you would ever have the chance to meet one of those famous people, how would that be? Would that be cool? Well, I guess, do you guys know that I like wrestling, right? You guys know that, that I like wrestling? Well, one time, back when Jonathan was little, Ric Flair was coming to the fair. And uh, so Ric Flair is this famous wrestler. He's like the best wrestler of all time. And so we got in this line, and we waited on Ric Flair to come in. And, when, uh, and I was waiting in line for a couple of hours, and he come by on a golf cart when he finally got there. And when he come by on the golf cart, everybody chanted, everybody started to doing something when he drove by. What'd they do, Artie? Woo! Woo, that's right. They was, because Ric Flair was there. That was an exciting time. But that was nowhere near as, as exciting as what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating Palm Sunday today, the day that Jesus come riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. He made his triumphant, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now listen to this. This is Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 7. It says, They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a great multitude... What do you think that means? A great multitude. A lot of people. A crowd. That's right, Charlie. A whole lot of people spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down palm branches from the trees and spread them out on the roads. And then the multitude who went out before those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. G king Jesus. We usually don't really call, we don't think about calling him that. But he is our king. This was his. That's right. But, but he is the king of all kings. He came riding in. And do you know this was, this was talked about hundreds of years before that Jesus was going to do this? And he come in and his disciples didn't quite understand but in one week from the day we celebrate Easter where Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He laid down his life on a cross in our place. Isn't that awesome that Jesus did that? So this week, I want you to think about just think about Jesus and what he did. And think about what, those, what the crowd was saying. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Think about how great and how awesome Jesus is. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that at Children's Church. But I just want you guys to think, if, if you could meet a celebrity or something, that, could, that pales in comparison of what it would mean to be there that day to see Jesus riding in, making his last entry into Jerusalem. Let's bow our heads, and I'm going to have you guys sit on the front row, okay?
God, thank you guys. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for each one of these guys that are here, uh, these boys and girls, and their willingness and desire to want to learn more about you. Lord, as we go through this week, help us to focus on you and focus on Jesus and what his death and resurrection on the cross meant for us. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah.
Are you can tell by the the title, the coming of the conquering king. We're going to look at the triumphal entry. And we're going to look at the significance. We're going to look at why things, because honestly, I could never understand how a group of people could, well, actually I can, but how a group could praise and shout and be excited about somebody coming into town and then a week later wanting them dead. So we're going to look at that. So if you will stand as we read God's word and turn to John chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 12 through 19. John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. And on the next day, the great multitude who had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus, finding the young donkey, said on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming seated on a, donk a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that he had done these things to him. And so the multitude who went with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were bearing him witness. For this cause also the multitude went and met him because they heard that he had performed these signs. The Pharisees therefore said to one another, you see that you are not doing any good. Look, the word has gone after him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what we see recorded here in the gospel. About your coming to Jerusalem. And dear Lord, we know where this is leading. It is leading to your death on the cross. But dear Lord, thankfully it's leading to the empty tomb on the third day. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Speak through me today. Have your will with us today. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So let's look first at the significance of the triumphal entry. What is so big? Well, one thing, it is one of the only the few events in the life of Jesus. Actually, there's only 10 of them that are recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew chapter 2, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. Luke 19, verses 29 through 40. And then in the scripture I just read, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. Everything... Everything in this Bible is important. No matter how small, everything in this word is important. But when you have four different authors describing the same thing, 
As my college professor would always tell me, if I repeat it, you need to pay attention to it. When Jesus repeated something, you need to pay attention to it. When four authors write about something, you need to pay attention to it. It is important. So what is it that's important about this? It is literally Jesus' proclamation that he is the Messiah and King of Israel in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. See, up until this point, you know, when in Cana, his first miracle, what did he tell Mary, when she, his mother, when he, she told him, all she did was say, there's no more wine. What, did, what was his response to her? Woman, it's not my time yet. That's what he said. That wasn't as disrespectful as if my kid would have came up and said to, to Ginger and said, Woman, it's not my time. Ginger would have rearranged their face to their nose on the backside of their head. It's not, that's not how it is. What he was saying, it's not my time to reveal my true self yet. Now he did turn the water into wine for the wedding. But every time he would do a miracle, you know, he healed the paraplegic. What did he tell him? Go and don't sin no more and don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody about me. Don't say anything about me. Here, this was his pro public proclamation to them. And look, at, it says, this was the Old Testament prophecy. Matthew chapter 21, verses 4 through 7 says this, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Sandra said, can you imagine somebody trying to row, ride on a colt that had never been ridden again? It's impossible, but Jesus is the God of impossibilities. I've owned donkeys. I was trying to talk Celeste out of wanting a donkey earlier. Uh, uh, Thursday, wasn't it? But she was wanting a donkey. She wanted a donkey. I'm like, you don't want a donkey. I've had two of them. They're mean. They're stubborn. But Jesus is the God of impossibilities. And he sat on the back of this stubborn donkey and rode it that had never been ridden before. But this is a fulfillment of the prophecy. Look at what it says in Zechariah 9.9. This is what is being quoted here. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Everything Jesus did was a fulfillment of prophecy. And like I said before, this is one of the few times that Jesus did not tell them to be quiet. 
He didn't tell them to stop telling people who he was. Look at Luke chapter 19, verses 39 through 40. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell the ones that are following you, that are shouting and making all the noise, tell them to be quiet. And this is Jesus' response. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these became silent, the stones would cry out. What Jesus is saying, if this creation of mine, these ones that I breathe life into, these ones that are created in our image, if, if they become silent and do not praise my name, the rest of creation will scream it. Rocks will cry out. Everything will testify that who I am. So what's the misunderstanding? What did the majority of this crowd misunderstand about what was happening here? You see, it's not all of them. I want to make this very clear. There were those there that truly believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of our sins. He, they truly believed that. But the vast majority of them fall into this group and they misunderstood what was happening. Look at, at Mark chapter 11, verses 8 through 20. Well, I think I gave that, I, that's the wrong... That's the right scripture, but I think it's the wrong. It's through 10, excuse me, not through 20. 8 through 10. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they were, had cut from the fields. Those who went in front of and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. See, this praise that the majority of these people were heaping and lavishing on Jesus was not because they recognized him as their Savior from sin. That's not what they were looking for. See, they welcomed him out of their desire for a messianic deliverer, someone that could lead them in a revolt against Rome. See, they literally thought that the Messiah was going to come and come in as a king on a big white horse swinging his sword, driving out the invaders and freeing his people. That's what, that's what they were looking for. And when Jesus failed to meet that expectation, when he came riding in on a donkey and did not, within that week, did not do what they expected him to do and lead them in revolt, they turned their backs on him. And that's how you go from a crowd singing Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes into the name of, in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the son of David. They go from that to shouts of crucify him in just a matter of days. So quickly they turn. This is why. How many times do we expect God to do something one way and when he doesn't do what we want, we get upset with him? And then we have to take a step back and look, well, wait a second. God didn't do what I wanted done. He did this. Look how much better what God wanted than me. I have told you guys this many times. As I was dating, there was many times that, that well, actually, I didn't date a whole lot, but when I dated someone, we dated for a long time, and there were several times that I dated the same person for two, two and a half years, thinking, this is going to be the person that I marry. And it didn't work out. And I was devastated. I was hurt. You see, I got offers to play football for college, and I turned them down because I didn't want to leave my girlfriend. Honestly, that's the reason, because this was going to be the person that we were, I was going to marry. We were already planning our future. And it didn't work. So I ended up going to the same school, Carson Newman. But as I said Thursday night, God had a plan. And I met Ginger. My first week at school, I met Ginger. Couldn't stand her. <laughs> Did not like her at all. I thought she was the biggest snob I'd ever seen in my life. She was rude. And just FYI, if Ginger gets tired, she gets that way. And for the last five years while she's been in school, she's been very tired. So please forgive her. It's not that she's meaning to be that way. She just doesn't know which end is up at this point. Uh, but she graduates May 11th. So thank you. But when I got to know her, when me and my friends spent weeks praying together about if this was the one that Jesus had for me, that God had set aside for me, that God had had handpicked for me. And by the time I asked her out on our first date, I was head over heels in love. And I'm here to tell you right now, what God's plan was for me is so much better than what I wanted for myself. But these people didn't understand that. They wanted that knight on a white horse coming in and saving the day. And God said, what I have in store is so much better. But they could not look past this fact. So we need to understand what these crowds missed. You see, <clears throat> Jesus is the king who conquered by love, mercy, and grace and his own sacrifice for his people. 
He did not come to conquer by force and might. That's what they were looking for. It's not what God intended. That's not who Jesus was. Jesus is the king that came to conquer hearts and minds, not kingdoms. He didn't come to conquer kingdoms. He came to conquer our hearts and our minds. And Jesus is the king that came to bring us peace with God, to bridge that gap between us and God, that sin built up, to end the, 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 the animosity between us and God. Not to give us temporal peace. One of the most popular things, you know, it's become a joke when they're interviewing these beauty contestants. What, do we, what would you like to see? World peace? Even in the movie Miss Congeniality, she thought it was stupid too, but everybody said it, and so she gives her answer, and everybody's just sitting there, and world peace, and everybody applauded. That's not why Jesus came. He did not come to give us that type of peace. That type of peace can come from peace with God, if we truly understand it. But it will not happen until Jesus comes again. Jesus is the king that came to bring us freedom from sin and salvation, not freedom from an oppressive government control. And see, here's the thing. If they would have paid attention, if they would have understood, if the, if the religious leaders would have been more concerned about what they were teaching instead of who they controlled, they would have realized and they would have been able to see. And some of them did. But the, mass, the, the vast majority of them didn't. They were so concerned about losing control of the people, having their way, that they missed it. And if they had paid attention, the entire Bible is centered around Jesus. And there is a scarlet thread that runs through the middle of this from Genesis to Revelation. In this point, every single prophet, all of the law, from the very beginning to, the, to, to Adam and Eve, pointed to Jesus, pointed to, to, to Christ, and pointed to the cross. If they would have paid attention, they would have seen glimpses of who Jesus really was. Because you see, in Genesis, He is our Creator. In Exodus, He is our Deliverer, the Passover Lamb. In Leviticus, He is the Great High Priest, our eternal sacrifice. In Numbers, he, Jesus is the trusted guide, the cloud in the sky during the day and the pillar of fire at night in the darkness. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet who is greater than Moses. In Joshua, the captain of our salvation, the one who leads us into the promised land. In Judges, he is both judge and lawgiver. 
and Ruth. He is our king, kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, Kings and Chronicles, he is the prophet of the Lord and the reigning king. In Ezra, he is the one who fulfills his promises. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the broken and torn down walls of our life. In Esther, he reveals the providence of God. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd and our song. In Proverbs, he is wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, Jesus is our only hope. In the Song of Solomon, he's the bridegroom, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the lover of my soul. In Isaiah, he is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentation, he is the potter who puts our broken lives back together. In Ezekiel, he's the watchman of our souls and our high tower. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful forgiver and everlasting love. In Joel, he is the one who pours out his spirit and all flesh. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is our savior. In Jonah, he is merciful and full of grace. In Micah, he is the ruler called out of Bethlehem. In Nahum, he is the is, Jesus is our avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the one who justifies by faith. In Zephaniah, Jesus is the Lord mighty to save. In Haggai, he is our stronghold in the day of trouble. In Zechariah, he is the one whose feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives as king over all the earth. And in Malachi, he's the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. This are the scriptures that they would have had. And if they would have paid attention, they would have known and seen that Jesus was who He said He was. He, he was the Messiah. Now see, we have something they didn't have. We have the New Testament, the New Covenant. And in Matthew, He's Messiah and King. In Mark, the Wonder Worker. In Luke, the Son of Man. In John, the Son of God. In Acts, He's our ascended Lord. In Romans, He is our salvation. In First and Second Corinthians, He is Redeemer and Lord of glory. In Galatians, He is the one who sets us free. In Ephesians, He is our chief cornerstone. In Philippians, He is the God who meets our every need. In Colossians, He's the hope of glory. In First and Second Thessalonians, He's our soon coming King. In First and Second Timothy, He is the mediator between God and man. In James, he is the great physician. In First and Second Peter, the chief shepherd. In First, Second, and Third John, he is our righteousness, truth, and love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with ten thousand saints. And finally, in Revelation, he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is who came into the city that day. That is the conquering king. Not to come to conquer and kick Rome out. He was coming to conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he was there to capture our hearts. To save us from eternal damnation. And we have to understand that as this king entered into the city on the back of that donkey, that as he came in, he was there knowing Oh, so well, 
that he was coming in to die. That he knew as he rode in to that city that within a week, one of those twelve that was with him was going to reject him, was going to turn him over and identify him to authorities. He knew that another one of those twelve were going to turn their back on him and deny him three times during his trial. He knew that he was going to be beaten beyond recognition. He knew what was coming on Friday. He knew what the cross was going to do to him. He knew that his side was going to be pierced. He knew it as he entered onto the day. But he also knew something else that nobody else did. He knew that that tomb was going to be empty. He knew that he was going to rise again. So when he came in, he literally was the conquering king. Just a different kind of king that they were looking for. Church. When we sing, Jesus paid it all. When we sing amazing grace. When we're singing just as I am. When we sing any of these hymns, this is why we're singing. Is because Jesus knew. And Jesus did. And he is our conquering king. Now, as we sing this song, this is the invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ, please let me introduce you to them today. Please let me tell you how to know him in a personal way. Don't leave here without getting that taken care of. If you're looking for a church home, we would be more than happy to have you join our congregation. Become part of this fellowship. So that we can grow and worship and disciple together. Whatever it is God's telling you to do today, don't leave this place without getting it taken care of. As we sing this song, the altars are open. If you need to come and pray, whatever it is God's telling you to do, do it as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing hymn number 141, The Old Rugged Cross, 141.
This is Kel and Amy Wright. They have actually been coming and attending since Christmas Day. Uh, and um, Kel has actually preached for me when Chad and I both were gone and um, did an, a, a wonderful job. They are coming today to unite with our fellowship as members of Crestview Baptist Church. I've transferred from a letter from Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church. They have both uh, accepted Christ as their Savior and have both been baptized dunked into your bubbles, right? Okay. So if you're excited about their decision to come and be part of our fellowship, let me hear a hearty amen. Amen. And I'm not going to ask if there's not any, because if there is, we have a bigger issue than we know. So, but thank you for coming. If you guys would go ahead and, and head out to the back, and I'll be out there in just a second, and everybody will come by to, to welcome you. Guys, God is good. God is good. Don't forget, no Wednesday night service here. I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you again. If you miss the revivals and you could only attend one night, you do not want to miss this coming Wednesday night. They were incredible. The Spirit was there. God's people coming together. I, I, I can't even explain if you weren't here what it was like to hear the singing. To hear a 35-year-old special needs boy singing to the top of his lungs every night. And he told me uh, after Thursday night, he said, I can't carry a tune in the bucket. He said, but I'm singing to Jesus and I'm going to sing loud. Oh, if we all had that attitude. Doesn't matter what everybody else thinks because we're doing it for Jesus. So, thank you for being here. Don't forget, Poplar Springs, 6.30. And then next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we will not have a 10.30 service. We are, we are having a full-fledged worship service as our sunrise service with communion and baptism. So please be here at 7.30. For that, we will be inside, and then um, 
breakfast, potluck, whatever you bring is what we're going to eat. You don't bring anything, we won't eat anything. Okay? But at eight, but so please don't not bring anything. Because I'm going to be hungry after I preach. And, and, and by the time I get back there, all the biscuits and gravy that I bring is going to be gone. So uh, make sure you bring stuff to eat and share and fellowship. And then Sunday school immediately following that. And then the following week after Easter, our office will be closed that entire week. If you need anything, you can reach us by cell phone. But our office will be closed that week. Um, so please remember that. But I'm going to ask Jim Kinder if he'd come forward as our deacon of the week, if he'd dismiss us in prayer. And um, just make sure you come by. Welcome Kel and Amy to our fellowship and to our family. And may I say God bless you. And thank you. Yes. Building and grounds need to meet with Lisa up here in the front right after church. So, okay. Well, thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, your spirit presented me with a, a quote this week, and uh, I'd like to say I ran across it accidentally, but we all know that there's no coincidence and no accidents. But the, um, the quote inspired some thought, and it says, the resurrection gives my life meaning and direction and the opportunity to start over no matter what my circumstances. And the resurrection is what we're celebrating, obviously, this week. Um, and it, it, it's never, I think what's implied here is that it's never too late to make some sort of profession of faith. Sometimes it happens as a youngster being raised in a, in a home with Christian parents, and sometimes it happens a lot later. Sometimes it happens in college, sometimes it happens in midlife, and sometimes it happens to someone in their 80s or 90s, but it's never too late, and it gives, your meaning, it gives your life meaning and direction. And it doesn't matter how successful we are in worldly terms or however they define it. Um, it your resurrection gives new meaning to all our lives, and regardless, no sin, no sin is too great to be forgiven. And that's why it says we can start over with no matter what our circumstances are. So thank you, Father, for having this perfect plan. And also thank you, Jesus, for fulfilling your Father's will. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.